0: You're listening to The Fridge of Knowledge, the podcast where I, Gus Velong, explore the insane, mind-blowing, and absolutely incredible history and culture humans have with food. It was my birthday recently, and to celebrate, I've uncovered loads of food traditions people across the world enjoy for their special day. But before that, the origins of the brownie. Chocolate has been around for millennia, and nowadays, we are never in short supply of chocolate-filled dishes. The brownie is similar to chocolate cake, but there are some key differences. The proportions of flour, sugar and butter in a brownie are different, and baking powder is rarely found in brownies. Sure enough, one myth states the brownie was invented when a chef didn't put enough flour in a cake, and another claims the creation happened when a housewife from the US state of Maine forgot to add baking powder to her chocolate cake. However, the real source of the brownie is most likely chefs at Chicago's Palmer House Hotel, who created the dish in 1893. Bertha Palmer, the wife of the owner of the hotel, was also the president of the Ladies' Board for Managers for Exposition. The organisers of the World Columbian Exposition requested she create a dessert exclusively for the lunch boxes of the Women's Pavilion, with the hotel pastry chefs at her disposal. She tasked the chefs with creating a dessert that was easy to eat and small enough to fit in the boxed lunches. The result was a brownie-like dessert that contained double the chocolate than normal brownies today, walnuts, and an apricot glaze. It's still served at the hotel today. However, there's no evidence these desserts were called brownies, and whoever gave them that name is unknown. The first recipe for a dish called a brownie was in the 1896 edition of the Boston Cooking School cookbook, where author Fanny Farmer adapts her cookie recipe for a rectangular pan. This is all well and good, but there's one fatal flaw in this recipe. It doesn't have any chocolate, and was more like what we would call today a blondie. In the late 1890s, we see more references to brownies. The first comes from a Sears and Roebuck catalogue, but the treat featured there could be chocolate or molasses based. The other is from an 1898 issue of the Kansas City Journal. And the brownies are chocolate based, and this is the first definitive reference to chocolate brownies. The first known recipe for chocolate brownies appeared in 1899. It was called Brownies Food and was in a community source cookbook from Maine. The recipe features all the important parts of a brownie, chocolate, flour, milk and baking soda. Then, in 1904, a recipe for Bangor brownies. And in 1906, Farmer published an updated version of her cookbook with a proper brownie recipe, and a recipe for a dish more comparable to a blondie, both under the name of brownies. After that, brownies spread across the US, then globally. Food is a big part of how birthdays are celebrated across cultures. In many countries, it is traditionally sweet foods that are consumed, the most famous being things like biscuits, candy, and birthday cake. However, in Korea, the story is much the reverse. guk is a Korean soup made with a seaweed known as myok, also known as wakame, and a beef or seafood-based broth. Korean mothers eat myokguk for weeks after they have given birth, and it is often the first thing they eat after the event. The soup is believed to contain minerals which help with the new mother's recovery and her breast milk production. Due to the soup's symbolic association with birth, guk is often consumed by Koreans on their birthday. However, it's not alone as a savoury birthday treat. Long life noodles, or longevity noodles, are a tasty and symbolic dish in Chinese culture. Long life noodles are a type of yi-men, a Cantonese egg noodle. The wheat flour dough used contains soda water instead of regular water, which gives yi-men a spongy, chewy texture. Long life noodles, unsurprisingly, represent a long and unbroken life. They appear at banquets at many events important to Chinese culture, like Chinese Year and, of course, birthday celebrations. As well as giving the person you are serving it to a delicious bowl of noodles, you also give them a long, prosperous life. But be warned, cutting the noodles symbolically shortens your lifespan, so you're better to just slurp them all in one go. Other celebratory dishes that significantly lack sweetness also include Sandwiches de Miga, a popular sandwich in South America served at parties. They're usually filled with meat and other fillings such as egg, cheese, tomatoes, green peppers, tuna and lettuce. And, in Ghana, a hearty breakfast of oto is served to the lucky person. Oto comprises of a mash made with yams, salt, onions and powdered shrimp and topped with boiled egg. Eggs are used because they are very symbolic in Ghana culture, representing fertility and the transition from childhood to adulthood. Needless to say, plenty of sweet foods are consumed for birthday festivities across the world. In Denmark, a dish known as a kagamand is served. In a similar way to birthday cake, the kagamand is often the centrepiece of a Danish child's birthday. Kagamand means cake man, and that's a pretty accurate description of this treat. Sweet, yeasted dough is shaped into human form, baked, and then decorated in a similar way to a gingerbread man. Gummy eyes, chocolate buttons, licorice hair, and inedible Danish flags are all common adornments. Perhaps even a marzipan dress for a kagakone or cake woman. When cake cutting rolls around, the birthday kid wielding the knife, it is traditional for the head to be lopped off first as onlookers playfully scream. It is also noted that no Danish birthday would be complete without, and I apologise in advance for the pronunciation, the Roughly translating to birthday ball, Fodseldagsboller are simple buns made of flour, butter and sugar. Birthday treats in Brazil are sweet, but on the smaller side. Brigadeiro is a small chocolate dessert similar to chocolate truffles, and it is the most popular candy in Brazil. Before the 1940s, the most beloved Brazilian treat was fruit and nuts, shipped in from Europe. However, World War II meant these companies could no longer ship internationally. But around the same time, the food and drink company Nestlé began introducing their cocoa powder and condensed milk to Brazil, two of the key ingredients of brigadeiro. the others being butter and a coating of sprinkles. Chocolate products surged in popularity, and the Brigadero was created. The dessert is named after the Brazilian icon Brigadero Eduardo Gomes. Brigadero is famous for his rank of Brigadier General in the Brazilian Air Force, putting an end to an attempted communist coup in Rio de Janeiro in the 1920s and running for president in 1946. Legend claims that Brigadeiro was a handsome bachelor, and a group of young women created and named the dish in tribute to him. However it came to be, Brigadero is now a large part of Brazilian culture, and is served at weddings, formal dinners, potlucks, and of course, birthday parties. To conclude the episode, I'll give you a few more tasty, international delights. In Japan, sweet mochi cakes are a firm favourite for birthdays. Their appearance is very much like smooth, round, multi-coloured balls. They're made from sweet rice, often filled with bean paste and dusted with little soybean flour. The Dutch enjoy a massive pie known as a vly at special events such as birthdays and funerals. The vly often contains fruity fillings like plums, apricots and berries and can be anywhere from 26 to 31 centimetres in diameter. It's a similar story in Russia, where a pie takes centre stage rather than cake. It's filled with the birthday person's favourite flavours and typically has a special greeting on the crust. Over in India, you might find yourself with a bowl of payesh. Payesh is a rice pudding served on special occasions with spices and flavours that make every payesh unique. In Sweden, princess cake is enjoyed. It comprises of sponge cake, dairy cream, fruit jam and whipped cream with a smooth top of green marzipan. Nicaragua also has their own regional cake, served on special occasions, known as tres leches cake. Popular throughout Latin America, tres leches cake is light and spongy, but also very heavy, as it contains three different dairy products, evaporated milk, sweetened condensed milk, and heavy cream. Wherever you are in the world, you'll always be given a delicious plate of food for your special day. It's time for last course. Our last course this week is the Spaghetti Omelette Sandwich. Yes, that's right. Three meals in one. The SOS, as I'm going to call it from here onwards, hails from the African nation of Cameroon, and it is literally what it says. To be more specific, the SOS comprises of leftover spaghetti tossed with tomatoes, onions, peppers, and a Maggie seasoning cube that's cooked in eggs. Then the whole lot is served on a baguette. It's an extremely popular dish, served from food carts, roadside stands, cafes, and almost everywhere else in between. However, this dish does beg the question, when do you eat it? Omelettes are for breakfast, sandwiches are for lunch, and spaghetti is for dinner. It turns out the answer is whenever you want. According to poet Benyobi Hom, people in Cameroon simply eat when they feel hungry, and don't have set meal times with names like lunch or dinner. They usually eat once or twice a day. The SOS itself is most often a mid-morning snack, but you might also see people eating it first thing, in the middle of the day, or in the evening. He also notes that a fast food industry would struggle in the SOS market, as they are available near many everyday locations. Administrative buildings, police buildings, school routes, bars, supermarkets. They are also very inexpensive, about a dollar or two, and equally tasty as well. Or so it's said. You've been listening to The Fridge of Knowledge. I know this episode came out a bit quicker than the last one and to be honest I really have no idea how fast I can get these out. I'm hopeful I can keep up this pace but I really have no idea. Anyway if you enjoyed today's episode tell a friend about it. This is a very new podcast and any help to increase the listenership would be appreciated. Thank you in advance. Goodbye from the fridge.